Welcome. It's Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights again, here with Bill Sutherland, who's the VP of Mergers and Acquisitions. Didn't have a position like that when I was in charge, but I'm so glad Bill is with the uh, Intrust Global Group, the current owner, and they they have bought and acquired a bunch of things, some of which they, uh, over the years, there have been other Beckett entities, and I want to hear about that and how that all happened. So thanks, Bill, but thanks, sponsors, Tops Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Comcy.com, and of course, Beckett Media, Beckett Trading, Beckett Authentication. So then and now, Beckett Media, Beckett Publications, January 25th, 2005, you were there. January there. 26th was Beckett Media, and Bill was still there, and I wasn't. I was in the building, but I was uh, an advisor at that point. Peter Goodmanson had stepped in as CEO, and then four years later, whatever that was, the, the Eli or Entrust Group uh, came in, and uh, you have uh, managed your career well. So we want to hear about that of comparing and contrasting the before and the now. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation with Bill Sutherland. So Bill, welcome to the show. And Thank you. tell us from your position, how that all happened and enlighten me as well as the other listeners. Yeah, there've been some interesting you know, changes over the years. And like you said, that January date in 2005, things changed. We were moving from a privately held, very tight family owned. I always thought of us as the Beckett family and that changed instantly. We were now owned by a large entity, some guys we'd never heard of based out of New York. This guy, Peter, nobody could say his last name. Goodmanson was coming in, what's gonna happen? It ended up being an interesting learning uh, experience for a lot of us to work with a corporate entity because the approval process has changed. I think some of our growth even slowed down a little bit because there was red tape. There were investments that had to be paid off. We weren't just reporting back to Jim Beckett for the financial lines. Now we had a CEO and we had an investor and, and there was just people involved that it was just a different environment for us. So we had to relearn the business strategies. It couldn't just be for the good of you know the customer. Like sometimes we just did things for the good of the customer. Some costs be be darned at that point, short term. Absolutely. In a public company, they want to know what you did this quarter. In a privately held company that's owned by a person that's really involved in the industry, I I really had a long-term view. And so, yeah, we did line extensions. Most of which worked, but some right. of which didn't. And definitely, yeah, so that was a change. But you, that was definitely, you saw that coming. I definitely, so we saw it coming. We did our best to react. We engaged the dev technologies and the website and those platforms a little more. We grew some other online entities and portals, and we got involved in some sales and marketing on the website that was different. We sold some third-party goods, and we had the Celebridux deals and all kinds of different things going. But at that point, we really started working for the future differently. We reviewed our software. We reviewed our marketing teams. We revamped our digital presence a bunch. The one thing the portfolio was looking for was they wanted us to be the next ESPN. How do we get to be their size? We argued that it was going to be tough. The sports market versus the collectibles market are very different you know, entities. So we did a lot of different things. Some worked, some didn't. And that group was interesting to work for, but it wasn't anything like we were used to. And we ended up moving on to another ownership group about what, four, maybe five years later, which was Eli Global. And that was a complete change for us. Beckett Media, we struggled a little bit in some of those years. There were some strikes and some UPS and some shortened seasons and different things happened in the hobby. We underwent some changes and Eli Global came in and they are a large, you know, corporate entity worldwide that were known for being able to reduce costs and maximize efficiencies and, you know, maximize profits as their business. But it did not hurt the quality of the Beckett product because they were able to invest in us. 
So we were able to grow a lot of different platforms and a lot of different businesses out of what that new ownership group brought into us. No doubt there were some changes. We lost people within various offices and positions. We had to streamline typical corporate level streamlining. And we went to an offshore model for some of our development, some of the high cost centers in the US that we just couldn't afford selling magazines and selling price guides about baseball cards. The publishing industry was dwindling compared to X number of copies we would sell when our heyday and we were at one-tenth of that at some point. So that was hurting the industry. So the goal with the new ownership was to digitize as much as possible. So I really spent a lot of my time modernizing what everyone should know as organize and online price guides. That was really a big part of where I spent my years was getting that organized and online price guide tool for anybody to be able to catalog their collections easy, catalog for free. If they want the pricing, they pay an upgraded fee and we could actually update faster. Magazines were once a, once a month. We know the print cycle was six weeks or whatever it was. We could update prices overnight now. So now we had a different pulse on the market. And the cool thing was the pricing department actually got to grow. We got new and better technology. We got we brought new people in. We were able to get more developers. We were able to build price guide software. I still consider that my baby, PGS 2005, which actually launched in 2006. It still works, still the same platform. It still runs Beckett to this day as far as online price guides, magazines, books, the grading labels, pop reports, you name it. So that transition from just Beckett was a publishing company. We were no longer a publishing company. We were now a hobby uh, media company that happened to publish some magazines. And that was a big change. When I came to Beckett Publications, we were magazine guys that happened to have a website presence. Now we're this digital Okay, and the magazines, if, if the problem is the magazines can't shrink if they're doing price right. guides. They, yep. And so they become less profitable and maybe even to the point of being not profitable unless you do the accounting a certain way and, and take away all the physical co- the non-physical costs of print. Absolutely. But print is still part of it. Absolutely. But it would seem like everything you're saying work toward the digital sale of data, OPG and stuff like that, which again, if you do the accounting a certain way, that's pure profit. Of course, it's only pure profit after you've already developed it. But right. also the bigger profit engine for Beckett Media, I believe, is grading. Absolutely. Grading would not have been possible without that aggressive move into digital. Yeah, we needed what we call a data warehouse, our central repository for everything about cards. And we sat there and talked about what attributes should look like. Is the card signed? Is the card a memorabilia? What type of memorabilia? Is it serial numbered? What is the print run? We really spent, man, another decade building out that database. We were paying people just to type in print runs, just to fill in the manufacturer field, the brand field, and really build that data. That data is the gold standard of any data in the industry. Nobody can come and just build this up. This is decades and decades of hard labor. I couldn't even imagine the hundreds of thousands of hours we have into it. And that was for us to be able to digitize, but it helped grading. Grading was this up and coming part of Beckett. It was an unknown at first. How do we compete? How do we get our name out there? We had this great branding and And now we have this great labeling system because we have the super clean data. So our pop reports are clean. We could do labels a lot easier. Other companies were hand building labels and they had 17 different ways to identify a set. Everything we did was clean, concise. Everybody could figure out what they had. And that was the digitizing of that, you know, data from just old Excel sheets and Word docs into databases. And that allowed the OPG, the marketplace, pop reports, graded card lookup all to exist as you know them nowadays. We always had a concept and we had uh, you know, standards that we applied, but they were more manually applied back in my regime. And we were very consistent with that. One of the Definitely. ideas I had uh, when you know around this time in the 90s was as I saw this thing coming too, do we want to do more of a wiki approach right. where we let the people 
do it. And I guess I decided against that, although I think we tried that with images and the photos. And, we actually took two approaches. Not, not yeah. to great success, I don't think, on the wiki with people yeah. not yeah. being able to conform to the consistent to our standards and yeah. consistencies. Yeah, we actually did. I launched Beckettpedia and I spent you know a couple months and was hoping to build a platform for what each set detail page and card detail page should look like. But the audience just it, it never caught on enough for people to do the right the work that we would be proud of. So it just didn't meet our standards. We did have minor success with the image upload. We built an image upload approval process, which was manual, and we added about four hundred thousand images through that first image upload program. That was about ten percent of what we actually needed at the time. I believe there about 4 million SKUs. And we got about 10% from the audience. But again, that's very difficult to, to police. And uh, the difference between a copper parallel and a gold parallel and a bronze parallel doesn't show up very well sometimes in the old scanning technology. So, one of the sponsors is uh, Rob Veris at Burbank Sports Cards. Tell me how Rob was very helpful in, in some of this process. Uh, some of uh, you're talking about. He, he was at the yeah, epicenter. Definitely. Uh, what, how did Beckett Media benefit from that relationship? Yeah, I, I worked with Rob directly on several of these projects. Database, he had an oddball guy that really helped us shore up the oddball sets and things that we didn't have in-house. And his images and his boxes that he had on site, I actually flew out there with our photographer, Daniel Moscoso, and we spent four days just scanning and shooting boxes from all different directions. We brought the entire Beckett Digital Studio with us on a plane, and we went to his warehouse in Burbank, and we shot. And that helped us get thousands and thousands of box images, hobby, retail, blasters, whatever it was at the time. And then his card library and the syncing of a card ID to one card and various conditions and Rob and myself and Dan and the developers and we came up with this system of PG item IDs to identify each card scan front and back and that built our database which has several million images available to dealers for marketplace back at business solutions price guides you name it so Rob was at the forefront of wanting every card to have and image available in the stock photo opportunity for people to easily list in the e-commerce environment. And eventually that led to Beckett Business Solutions, a relationship with eBay, which I fostered, uh, Major League Baseball, Amazon. And that really changed the, the selling world. Something we haven't talked about was building up the Beckett marketplace, building up Beckett eBay relationship, Beckett channel solutions. Not only were we now number one in providing data and price guides and our expert opinions, now we were number one in helping dealers sell sports cards and memorabilia around the world. And we're still number one in that realm. That's helping dealers, but in and around this time, maybe a little more than 10 years ago, ComC got started. Uh, were you party to some of the conversations that Mark and I had, and Jeff as well, and, and probably Grant and Dan, and probably you, about how we might attack something before ComC came out? We had the ability to do something like that, but there are just a lot of moving parts, and we yeah. chose not to, and now right. it's being executed by ComC out in Seattle. But do you remember those conversations and whether that yeah. was because that was more of a, a collector friendly opportunity right. to, to sell? Yeah. But I don't think we wanted to compete with eBay. And, no. and perhaps we just didn't have the right conception. But do you remember that? Of Oh, yeah. I bet I have a write-up somewhere for what we were calling the C2C exchange. Right. C, C to CX. And that was going to be what we wanted to do. Everyone puts everything into organized. It easily uploads to this collector marketplace. And we examined a lot of different opportunities. We had struck a marketing or a deal with ComC for data licensing. And we were doing some different things at the time. And it just we just never got off the ground what we really wanted to do. Because COMC was taking possession of the cards. We didn't want to take that responsibility. That, eBay I mean, had the auctions. We didn't want to take that part of it. And it just well, it I mean, never got off the ground. I, I Again, it, the earliest conversations, I was still owning the company. Right. And yep. basically, 
I remember Mark coming in and saying, we need to do this grading idea. It's going to be great. They yep. send us their cards along with their money. We have their cards. We have their money. We have their money. And we're already grading cards. And, yep. and why can't this C2C exchange be the same thing? We'd have the cards. We'd have, again, maybe a listing fee or something or a storage sure. fee. Like on C2C. So we had, I, I remember contemplating all those things. We talked but, about a sorting fee. Send us a pallet yeah, of your cards and we'll exactly. sort them for you. So all those things were brainstormed. Yep. But the, now when you see the footprint or the, the backlog of BGS, the warehousing, you talk about a data warehouse, a card warehouse, that would have been absolutely, and it was probably overwhelming. And it's one of the few cases in my life, I think I didn't think big enough because yeah. I always, but I do, I do think big, but I think start small, build the best mousetrap and, yep. and it'll grow. And, and it certainly has for ComC and for eBay and for others. And Beckett Media has done well. One of the no things, doubt. again, I need to uh, finish up here in my commitment to my listeners, even though they want me to keep going sometimes too, when it's interesting like this. But we were in a situation where we needed to move in a certain direction. And when I look back of one of my greatest, not accomplishments, but is hiring great people, Bill. I look at the team we had, and you're still there, and there's still a bunch of people that are great that are there, but and a bunch of them that have moved on. But right. that's going to be my legacy in the industry. Is Absolutely. I had a few good ideas, I got some things rolling, I brought in some super duper teammates, and they hit for average and power. And uh, yeah, you were you had a great eye for the talent. You found some five tool hobby people exactly. that to this day are still impacting the industry just in different ways. They're not at Beckett anymore, but they're at other trading card manufacturers. They've taken jobs with the leagues, with distributors. Our footprint is huge in the industry, if not just at Beckett Publications, Beckett Media, Beckett Collectibles, all the different names. But if you look around the industry and guys who are the best breakers in the industry, product, you know, development, retail sales, some of the best dealers out there, it's just evolved the mentality of the hobbyist and growing the hobby and that stuff will never go away. We don't lose that, but we learned a lot over the years as to how to grow the businesses. And we took some talents and tried some different things. And the guys have been very successful because we picked the best of the best to be part of the team never compromise our, our ethics and never hurt the Beckett name. That was always a big part of it. Great note to end on. Thanks, Bill. Thank you you. Uh, epitomize what we're talking about. So thanks listeners. Uh, we'll be back again tomorrow with another episode. The man-